For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made a light for the Gentiles, that, that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many were appointed to eternal life, believe. And that is Acts 13, verses 47 and 48. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio. And we are coming at you from the great state of Texas. I am your host, A.W. Varilla, and next to me, like always, the president of Bridge Ministries, Steve Denhartog. What up, everybody? Good to be with you again. And our super intern of the month, Tommy Daniels, TD, Lemon Pepper. Yes, sir. Here, as always, intern of the month. <laughs> yeah, you're the only one. <laughs> I, I'm still of so, the month. So. Yeah, you're, you're so. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, today... Uh, we're super excited uh, to be back on, but before we begin, TD, TD is our local news, uh, local news uh, bridge uh, anchor. Can you let us know what's been going on here at Bridge Ministry? So we got our Bible study still going on, um, the Book of John. We're going through Pure by Dean and Sarah, which we've had a consistent following uh, in both of those studies, which is and we've a had blessing. mine for a podcast. Yes, <laughs> both. Um, so going through John, which has been a blessing. Um, to peer with with some young adults in the community is also a blessing and the beauty about these things is that it's not just one church in these bible studies it's multiple churches coming to these bible studies and then just me being on campus throughout the weeks um, it's been a blessing to be able to actually pray with the bsm um, for students before their games and the men's soccer team there's actually out of the 25 students there's 11 nations represented in those mm. students mm. and so that's been a huge blessing to engage with those students and and that's probably been the highlight of my weeks, well, that's, being able to talk to those international students. That's awesome. Well, it's going to be relevant to the topic that we're going to be yeah. talking about this morning. Uh, again, guys, we do want to remind you of our Spanish conference, uh, Saturday, November 19, 2022, starting at uh, Texas International University, uh, Tammy U. over at the Student Center from 8.30 to 4 p.m., 8.30 a.m., so 4 o'clock p.m. I messed up that last time. Uh, and so please tell your Spanish-speaking friends, family members. Uh, the topic is going to be uh, Sola Scriptura, the centrality of the Word of God. Uh, we're going to have uh, Pastor Juan Sanchez uh, and local pastor uh, Eduardo Mantorano and local pastor Jonathan Tucker as the speaker. Uh, we're super excited. Uh, we're going to be ramping up this uh, conference here soon, and uh, we're really excited. So please make sure that you go and register. It is very important that you let your folks know to register so we have an idea of how many people are coming to the conference. It's really, really, really important. Uh, so on today's episode, uh, we're excited to have a first-time guest, uh, Steve Richardson, on his new book, uh, Is the Commission Still Great? Eight Myth About Missions and What They Mean for the Church. I am super excited uh, to have, an on, have him on and talk about his book. Um, I, I think it's an important topic about mission and what that looks like. And, and I think that um, 
uh, he does a really good uh, uh, job in his book uh, about questions and skepticisms about missions that get arisen uh, by both sides inside the church. It's really central to what we're about as Christians, right? I mean, it's it's missions, and it's not just foreign missions. It's it's missions here at home as well. The opportunities that God brings to us. So. Yeah, and I do want to mention, uh, if I didn't say, uh, this is by Moody Publishing. Mm. This book was released by uh, Moody Publishing. A lot of good stuff from them. A lot of good stuff, yes. Well, guys, uh, should we get this podcast started? Let's Let's do do it. it. Let's do it. Steve Richardson has served as president of Pioneer USA since 1999. Pioneers mobilizes and supports 3,200 missionaries and marketplace professionals who impact 500 unreached people groups in 95 countries. Steve was raised in Indonesia, where his parents planted churches in a jungle tribe. He witnessed the impact of the gospel on their warlike society, a story documented in his father's missionary classic, Peace Child. Steve and his wife, Arlene, also spent 11 years planting churches among an unreached people group in Southeast Asia. The Richardsons now live in Orlando, Florida, and have been blessed with four daughters and 10 grandchildren. Welcome, Steve, to Bridge Radio for the first time. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, we are excited for you to be here. Uh, You have just released uh, a new book. And we're excited to talk about that book today. But before we begin talking about your book, Steve, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how God drew you to Saving Faith? Yeah, it's a a rather unusual story. So when I was six months old, my parents uh, carried me onto a ship called the Oriana, and we sailed via Hawaii and New Zealand, ended up in the world's second largest island, New Guinea, 1,500 miles long looks like a Tyrannosaurus Rex sunbathing (laughs) on the equator there, just north of Australia. And uh, a few missionaries who had preceded mom and dad said, hey, we just heard about this tribe down in the southern swamps. (laughs) They live in tree houses. Uh, We don't know much about them. Would you be happy to take the gospel to them? So I like to think they glanced at me first. And they said, yes, that's what God has called us to do. So a couple of weeks later, there we were. My dad went in first and made made the first contact with a few men, got their help building a little house, tried to communicate using sign language that I'm going to come back in about 10 days' time with my wife and my baby, and we want to live here and learn your language. We have a message to give you. He wasn't sure if they understood. Hmm. But 10 days later, we paddled in all day from sunup to sundown from a neighboring tribe. A few really courageous warriors from that enemy tribe uh, paddled us in, mm. their weapons, you know, in the canoe in case they had to defend themselves. We rounded the last bend, and guess what, Abe? They had understood. There were 400 warriors armed to the teeth, wow. silhouetted against the setting sun, waiting to welcome us. And mom and dad turned to each other, and the canoe said, It's too late now, we're committed. <laughs> So dad reached over and picked me up out of my mother's arms, not knowing that in the Sawi culture, if someone came from the outside world with no weapons in his hands, carrying a baby, it was a sign that he was coming in peace. Hmm. So that's not the actual peace child concept, you know, from which the title of my dad's book, Peace Child, is taken, but it's a derivative of that concept because hmm. as, as dad and mom learned the language well enough to begin explaining the gospel story, to his shock, they thought Judas was the hero of the story. They said, tell us more about Judas. (laughs) 
And Jesus, and dad said, you mean Jesus? And they said, no, Judas, he sounds like one of us. We betray people to death all the time. <laughs> and, uh, wow. you know, mom and dad realized they had a cross-cultural communication challenge on their hands. And wow. th that led to the breakthrough eventually. Uh, when dad convinced them they had to make peace, these villages that moved in around us started fighting, people were getting killed. And um, long story short, uh, one of the fathers realized, okay, we want to make peace. So he actually gave one of his own baby boys to the enemy village. Mm -hmm. And this boy was called a Tarop team, which means peace child. And mm -hmm. that's where I grew up. And I witnessed the the amazing power of Romans 1.16, the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, first for the Jew and then for the Sawi people that I grew up with. Wow. Wow. That's a great story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm condensing a lot in that, <laughs> that couple of minutes there. So how long, did it, how long did it take your parents to learn the language? I'm just curious. Well, they learned it fast. Okay. Um, they learned it pretty well within nine to 12 months because there were no other English speakers around. They were immersed. Wow. I grew up speaking Sawi better than I spoke English because only mom and dad spoke English. Interesting. Oh, wow. That's pretty amazing. So, uh, Steve, we're going to be talking about your book, Is the Commission Still Great? by Moody Publishing, eight myths about the mission and what they mean for the church. What, what prompted you to write this book and how relevant to our current world of mission this is? Yeah, so, you know, it, it's been a growing realization in my heart that as the rest of the church around the world is uh, capturing, in some cases for the first time, a heart for global missions mm -hmm. and starting to participate, uh, many churches in the West are actually gradually losing their vision mm. for global missions for various reasons. And, you know, uh, Abe, I was speaking at a church quite a few years ago now outside Philadelphia, and I was sharing some of the amazing things that God is doing around the world uh, through the obedience of his people in cross-cultural evangelism and discipleship. And an elderly lady came up to me afterward with some tears streaming down her cheeks. And she said, you know what? I've been giving and praying for years, but it's like today God spoke to me and said, it's actually making an impact. Mm. And it's like for so long, I've just been doing it because I want to be faithful. But I didn't realize that this is actually an incredible investment. And I thought to myself, you know, that's interesting. And I wonder how many other people mm. are trying to be faithful but haven't need to be encouraged about the impact of their investment. And I wonder what other misperceptions are out there mm. that are maybe undermining or demotivating people in their great, great commission engagement. And so I just, you know, some people collect shells, some people collect stamps or antique cars. I started collecting misperceptions about mm. missions. And I started started asking people and having conversations. And often I wouldn't ask what misperceptions do you think you have because, you know, we're oblivious to our own mm. blind spots generally. But I would ask what what uh, what ideas do you think maybe uh, undermine other people's confidence and participation in the Great Commission. And I, I just started synthesizing these, did an informal survey to make sure I was on the right track. And that's how this book came across, came about. Mm, wow. So you identify eight myth, mission myths in the book, uh, Steve. And I assume these are some, some of the reasons behind why you see this decline in interest in missions. 
can you talk about some of the, a couple of those uh, myths that you've that you've deciphered in your conversations with people and why there might be uh, a misperception and a decline in interest in missions? Yeah, Stephen. There's, I mean, myths come in different categories. Some of them are just innocent. Mm-hmm. I remember as a kid being told if you swallow gum, sw- swallow your gum, yeah. it's going to be in your stomach for seven years. <laughs> <laughs> if you drink coffee, it's going to stunt your growth and so forth. Um, and and other myths are manipulative. They're deliberately because people want to, you know, misinform others for their own ultimate benefit. Mm. And, you know, there's this there's this ancient Chinese philosophy of warfare from a guy named Sun Tzu. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name, but a milita- military strategist who said that the supreme art of war is to subdue your enemy without fighting. Mm-hmm. So uh, if, as I would suggest, the main thing happening in the world today... Uh, the most important thing happening in the world today is that this gospel of the kingdom is being preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come, Jesus said. So the fulfillment of the Great Commission is the main thing happening in the world today. It's more important than what's happening in any particular geographical or social sphere. But those are all subsets of God's redemptive plan. Then the enemy's strategy is to try to win that war before it's even fought. Mm-hmm with presuppositions and assumptions that people make. So one of them, uh, for example, is that the Great Commission, and I'm using that term broadly, representing the whole big narrative of what God is doing and has been doing throughout history, not just what we read in Matthew 28, Mm -hmm. uh, is a sideshow. It's a side salad. I call it the side salad. You know, it's the, the main course in many people's mind is my well-being, my mm-hmm. sanctification, my family, uh, my environment and community, my culture, maybe my country. But um, no, I mean, God has called us on a mission. God said to Abraham 4,000 years ago, I'm going to bless you, but I'm not going to make you a cul-de-sac. I'm going to make you a freeway. All nations on earth is, are going to be blessed through you. And a lot of us, I think, you know, as as believers, we, we live, m- many people are kind of what I would describe as missionless Christianity. Mm-hmm. They live as if nothing really important happened between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension. When actually, during those 40 days, Jesus appeared to his disciples, uh, arguably on five different occasions to five different groups of people, I think that the Great Commission and, and gave them the Great Commission in different forms with different emphases. And here, here's the resurrected Jesus before he ascends into heaven saying, this is what I want you to have on your hearts and minds, mm-hmm. is to make disciples of the whole world, all the nations. And I think the Great Commission that we, you know, the one that we think of as the Great Commission uh, in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, was actually given to the 500 people on the mountain in Galilee that Paul refers to in 1 Corinthians 15. So anyway, that's just one one of the misperceptions is that missions is, yeah, it's a good thing. It's, you know, it, it's it's got a place, but it's one among many dishes, you know, options from which we can choose. Another one, you know, I can always go into more detail, but, uh, you know, another one is that Western missionaries are obsolete. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, it's amazing. I think it's 89% of pastors basically think that, evangelical pastors, is that, is that it's, it's now the turn for the global south. Hmm. And we in the West can just, you know, focus on our Jerusalem and our Judea and maybe our Samaria if we have little extra resources and manpower and so forth. But the idea of sending our own flesh and blood long-term internationally and cross-culturally is pretty much, you know, that's something that prior generations uh, needed to do. And, and, you know, there's an assumption under that that we've been so successful that sending missionaries to other parts of the world has been so incredibly successful that we don't need to be a part anymore in that aspect of it. We Mm. might still send money, still do some other things. And I'm making the argument that if we don't stay engaged, not just in short term and not just in sending money and in media and other things, but actually sending some flesh and blood, our own sons and daughters to some extent, that eventually we won't be sending our money either. You know, mm. we won't be praying either. So anyway, I make the case for that. That's just that's just the first couple of these eight myths. I, I don't know if you want to yeah, probe I, further. Yeah, so one, uh, just thinking about what you were just saying here, Steve, um, uh, you make a case that mission should be the main course, the main meal, uh, not the side dish. Uh, is that correct? And... And we have made it like it's over here. And like you said earlier, like, you know, we're worried. My family's over here. My job is over here. My business is over here. You know, my church is over here. But, you know, uh, I'll give this just kind of a secondary kind of thing over here, maybe tertiary. And as long as I give and not really move that into what we are doing ourselves, even in a local community and being mission minded as well. Um, and, and I just want to make sure that I get that right. It should be the main dish. It should be the main meal. Yeah. 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 You're right. I I think we, especially in the West, we have, we have a tendency to compartmentalize things. Mm -hmm. And so missions actually ends up becoming a program and and that's good and as far as it goes but it's only a, a part of the picture missions is more than just a program i mean it's the overarching narrative of what god is doing in history he's assembling a bride for the son that he loves from all the cultures of the world and until all of us are represented at the banquet where jesus said people will We'll, we'll, we'll sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Mm. Why did he say Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? It was because they were the ones who first got the Great Commission. Mm, yeah. All nations on earth will be blessed. We call them the patriarchs. And Paul explains this in Galatians and in Romans that, that Abraham was the father of faith and through faith, all of us from the whole world can participate and become sons and daughters. So anyway, uh, there's a bigger narrative. And I think, I think I'm trying to encourage myself and others to view our lives and our participation as a part of that big picture and to maximize our engagement and involvement in that. So when, when the Holy Spirit said to the elders in Antioch, set aside for me, Paul and Barnabas for the work, Saul and Barnabas for the work that I have for them, that wasn't saying, okay, it's going to be a win-lose proposition. 
you're giving up two of your best leaders, and it's going to be a big loss to the church in Antioch. I mean, certainly there's a bit of a price to be paid. But the church in Antioch, by obeying and, and seeing itself as part of that bigger picture of world evangelization, actually got incredibly blessed in the process. Mm. And Paul and Barnabas come back, and they tell what's happening, and, and the church in Antioch became a super spreader yeah. <laughs> gospel uh, of the gospel. And, and so this leads to another one of the, the, the myths, and that is that missions competes with everything else, and mm. we've got only so much budget. So we can only, you know, missions might come later because we can't afford it. And, and you know, I'd propose that as we individually and corporately in our congregations really engage in that big picture and think creatively about it, we actually get super blessed in the process. Yeah, I, I'm part of a mission board um, to every tribe. And one of the discussions coming out of uh, COVID is that they've just seen a reduction of just missionary in general and giving, which, you know, was surprising to me. Why do you think, what do you, what do you think are the root causes of that? Is it, you know, affluence on our part? Is it, um, you know, very short sightedness? Uh, is it, is it ethnocentrism, nationalism? What do you think are some of the root causes of that lack of that minimizing of that desire to go to other parts of the world? I mean, that we didn't see, you know, in earlier generations. You know, I think because it's such, this is the war behind the scenes, if you want to use kind of overarching terminology and perspective, that this is, this is the war that's raging in, in the heavenlies and, and the misinformation and we're all familiar with misinformation these days, no matter what angle you're coming from, you're concerned about it. <laughs> Doesn't so matter, you know, your yeah. political perspective or yeah. whatever, you're concerned about misinformation. I think it's all of the above, Stephen. And and I, I do think our prosperity hmm. and the blessings God has given is a huge part of it. Yeah. We're we're drowning in our own materialism. Our, our own careers, our own, the paths we want to pursue, and God is kind of there to help us achieve it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think, too, that there are a lot of distractions, and there, you know, there's so many things. We, we're preoccupied. Hmm. And, 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 you know, there, there are things going on in our own Judea and Samaria, so to speak, that, that cause great concern. We see society decaying around us and so forth. And so it's easy to think, you know what, there's so much going on here that we don't need to think about the big, you know, the bigger picture too much yeah. anymore. Mm. I, I would say, too, maybe I could add, I'm not, you know, I spent several minutes earlier kind of just touching on a few highlights of the, what we call the biblical basis for our global mission. And I'm not sure that's being taught in seminaries. Mm. Mm. I'm not sure how many pastors, what percentage of pastors are actually uh, communicating the big picture of what God is doing on the macro scale is so much of teaching has to do with the micro scale of how you can get victory in this area of your life or that area. And that's all good, but it's yeah. incomplete. Mm. Could, could you further elaborate on that? How um, a good idea like missions can become more imbalanced and more incomplete. You've touched on it. Could you further elaborate on that? On how we can address that? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I've, I've got these eight myths. You know, one is missions is peripheral. Mm -hmm. Another one is that 
basically obsolete, at least for those of us in the West. And missions is everything, you know, the, the, the definition gets watered down. Mm-hmm. So everything you do is basically, you know, missions. So if missions is everything, then in some sense, it's almost nothing. <laughs> and it competes and missions is only short term. It's no longer any long term. And I'm all for short term. Uh, or missionaries are other, they're holy, they're rare, they're strange, I can't relate to them. Or missions is harmful or it's failing. And so, yeah, Tommy, these um, these ideas actually have a kernel of truth. And unless, uh, you know, information warfare requires that the idea that you want to promote has some believability. Mm-hmm. So usually what you do is you take I, my I, my understanding. I don't pretend to be a, you know an expert on this, but you take a kernel of truth and you underplay it, or you exaggerate it, or you warp it. So you know, take the idea that missions is harmful. Okay, so <clears throat> anthropologists and professors have been promoting this idea for decades. Missionaries are the worst thing that ever happened to tribal peoples, you know, in South America and Africa, the Pacific. It's like it's like the worst thing that ever happened as the missionaries arrived. <laughs> missionaries have made mistakes. And whenever whenever missionaries go somewhere, you know, we carry some of our culture with us. Yeah. When yeah. Jesus came here from heaven as a missionary, he brought some heavenly culture with him. Now, in his case, it was a pure... <laughs> good culture. In our case, we bring our Western culture. But then what you have to do is kind of like, okay, what is the kernel of truth here? What is a balanced perspective on this? What are the realities historically? And just to take that one as an example, I have spent time with thousands of people from traditional societies, from tribal cultures around the world. Thousands of people, I've seen the celebrations and the dancing, you know, the 50-year anniversaries of the arrival of the gospel. Hmm. Multiple days of celebration. Sounds biblical. The fact that the gospel arrived. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like what we're going to do in heaven, right? Yeah. And this is happening all around the world. Wow. You know, and I have never once, now I'm sure a few of them are out there, but I've never once had a person from one of these one of these tribes come up to me and say, boy, I wish the missionaries hadn't come. Mm-hmm. I wish we had just been left alone mm-hmm. with our sickness and our fear of the evil spirits and, you know, fighting with our neighbors and beating our wives and so forth. So that idea of the noble savage, you know, that the yeah. European literature kind of mm-hmm. popularized uh, a couple of centuries ago of you know, a person sitting under a palm tree on a nice beach, drinking coconut milk, hmm. living in some sort of a utopia. Yeah. Hmm. That's not the reality. But that's not to say missionaries haven't made mistakes. You know, we often confuse missions with colonialism yeah. and with the European, you know, domination of various parts of the world. So it takes really good thinking to sort this out and say, what is God's perspective on that? What is my part? Yeah, long um, answer to a really good question. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm just thinking about our friend who uh, is the president, and and one thing that he just has told us stories about because um, they're doing it differently. Uh, I, or they're trying to do it differently, and how they engage the culture 
where they go. Um, and it was just really interesting that uh, when they go in, they're especially with these tribes uh, where they have uh, tribal leaders, as my understanding, they got a head guy and they're just going in there and just engaging the people and asking, asking them what they need first, um, which leaves an an open door for the gospel um, instead of, uh, and and again, I'm just making this statement. I I don't know uh, of how um, missions were done before and what, what he has told me is that they want to raise their people within right and not leave a mission and not that there's anything wrong with it but their their strategy is is like you know um make disciples within a tribe so they are making disciples mm-hmm. within their own tribes and then taking those missionaries who have been there you know maybe 10 years and moving them to another location after they come they become self us um I guess uh, sustaining, sustaining, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the kind of thinking. Missions is quite different today in many respects. I think we've learned a lot of things, mm. but maybe in some ways we've also de unlearned. Yeah, you know, it, it, I mean, missionaries in the past were willing to just keep going, even though they were, you know, seventy or eighty percent of them were dying after they got there of malaria. I'm not sure we have that kind of grit anymore. But yeah, and and, and really a, a big part of my dad's books with Peace Child, with Lords of the Earth, which was a whole nother redemptive analogies, he called it, mm-hmm. uh, up in the highlands, and with the eternity in their hearts, showing how God has prepared the way in cultures all around the world, mm-hmm. is the idea that you're talking about. It's, it's that... It's, it's that as as we go led by the Holy Spirit, God has actually prepared the way. And asking questions like that. Can I comment too, though, Abe, you know, some of this concern about that particular myth about missions harming cultures presupposes that missionaries are Westerners. Mm-hmm. There are probably 20 or 30 cross-cultural missionaries from other cultures for every one Western missionary today. Oh, wow. So, so it's like, okay, is this myth only about Westerners? What about the Koreans? Yeah. You know, and they're, they're 30,000 missionaries. Are we concerned about them taking Korean culture? Uh, you know, what about the Brazilians and their culture? So anyway, missions, it's, as one of my African friends like to say, it's getting out of control. (laughs) Steve is from Africa. You know that, right? I was born there. I don't there. think I picked up on that. I, That's cool, yeah. I have a similar story to your story, too. But, uh, okay. um, yeah, just because we don't do something perfectly doesn't mean that we should be disobedient to mm-hmm. God's command to go into all of the earth. I mean, we're not going to do it personal, perfectly. We're broken vessels. But God uses means to accomplish his purposes. So... So that gives us hope, and I mean, we we all experience that every day of our lives, right? We we do our best, or we should do our best, yes. but at the end of the day, whether we see consider it a success or not, it's not. That's not the focus. Um, mm-hmm. The focus is on whom we work for, you know. And so, if our if our objective is to keep him the priority, um, we can take solace that he's going to use our our imperfect ways to accomplish his his uh, purpose to bring the gospel to unreached cultures well i think for for us here um steve 
um, we live in a 98 percentile Hispanic community um, okay. kind of border town here in Laredo, Texas, which uh, we consider this uh, a mission field in itself. Um, you know, I think uh, Steve, Steve and Hartog is one of like just five white people in, in Laredo. <laughs> the other four of his family. Yeah, the other four of his family. No, uh, yeah. Just, yeah. just joking. Uh, but um, uh, I'm from Chicago. Uh, most of our listeners know that because I say it all the time. But for me, coming down here and the Lord brought my wife and I down here um, to do other things, um, I was I had a culture shock, uh, even though me, myself sure. is Hispanic. Uh, but I grew up in an urban city, Midwestern culture, and and it was just shocking to me because I was like, whoa, this is just totally different. And just uh, being involved, as I met Steve and Hartog, uh, and just getting uh, involved and helping out in this ministry, you realize that there is an actual culture that you must engage that is totally different from mine, uh, just living up north, living a thousand miles away still in the United States, because, yeah, I mean, this is like a whole different country down here. Yeah, it is. And, you know... That's what's so one thing that's so exciting about our opportunities here in the U.S. Mm. I mean, I was getting my hair cut a while back and found out the lady cutting my hair was a Tatar mm. from Russia. It's 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 maybe the one of the largest unreached people groups in Russia, Muslim people group. Here wow. she is in Orlando cutting my hair. Yeah. And it's just we're encountering those kind of things. And, and you know, so you're encountering the the culture there in Laredo. Yeah. And just just picture for the listeners, picture seventeen thousand cultures, give or take, hmm. around that. Yep, seventeen thousand of them, and then countless subcultures. I mean, even on a lesser scale, a New Yorker going down to parts of Georgia is going to be experiencing some culture shock or yeah. vice versa. You know, these different subcultures that we have in this country, there's thousands of them. So anyway, that's that's part of God's incredible, glorious plan. And the, the goal is to permeate all of those to some extent with the good news of salvation in Jesus. Which was Amen. interesting. We were just talking about him yesterday. Uh, we interviewed uh, J.D. Payne in his book, uh, The Strangers Next Door. Mm-hmm. And he talks about that, that we have... Those same uh, people group that we would send out to the world, they're actually here in the United States, and nobody's engaging them. Yes. Um, so that was just kind of interesting. I know that we're not talking about that, but just, just kind of touching on you that those those same people that uh, w- that we would send out missionaries to um, actually are living here in the United States. And I think statistically he said that the United States is like number two – uh, place to go out and do missions because nobody's engaging. Uh, for example, the Ro- the Romanian community here mm-hmm. raising up uh, missionaries within the United States to send those missionaries out to their own country. Um, and then that was just an example I was just using. He didn't necessarily use that for that. Yeah, and even group. with pioneers, we have we have people here in this country. You know, there's a major unreached people group in China that's been persecuted a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there are concentrations of them. Yeah. And, and here in the U.S., we have people reach. It's phenomenal. So when I say missions, I'm I'm really thinking more cross-cultural. I'm not. Yeah. I don't really care about the geography entirely. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and and I'm not suggesting everybody has to pack their bags, you know, <laughs> and go. And go somewhere. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. So, Steve, what advice would you give to a church leader who wants to see their congregation become more engaged with the Great Commission? And what's the best way to instill in them a vision for the world? Stephen, you mean other than reading my book, is the commission still great? <laughs> yes, well, yes. You must read the book and go get the book. <laughs> as we've experienced, most most people are not gonna yeah. most people are not gonna pick up a book and read the whole thing. So, yeah. so what's right, the what's right. the Reader's Digest version? <laughs> but I, but you know, I, I laugh. I'm I'm half joking, but but I would say you know we've got a, a website to go with that. It's mm. at pioneers.org/myths. Okay. And it's got it's got material so that a pastor or a missions activist in a church, a missions committee member, can actually lead a small group through mm-hmm. a study of these and create conversations. My goal, I, I I invite people disagreeing with me on various points. That's that's not a problem. But if we can generate conversations about this and what mm-hmm. what is God's what what is what did Jesus uh, assign? to us and so forth. As far as senior pastors, lead pastors, you know, a couple of thoughts. I, I think one is, to what degree could you say that you're teaching from the pulpit, which is so influential and important? Hmm. How much does it uh, communicate that big picture? Yeah. yeah how much is it integrated? Uh, with illustrations? Because, you know, pastors are always choosing illustrations. Hmm. How, what percentage of those illustrations have a subplot mm. that you don't even have to express directly, but it's communicating that the body of Christ is global and that we're to be part of this big picture? Then a second thought I would have is, I think every lead pastor, I think the elders in a church should say, you know, part of your job description is to take a cross-cultural trip, mm. maybe even an overseas trip, at least every two years. And see what God is doing around the world, because that will enrich uh, your leadership and your teaching so much. Those are a couple of practical thoughts. Yeah, I think that second uh, idea is is super critical. I think having people leading, you know, the mission committee, as it were, uh, who who have a heart for it and who who want to make sure that their congregation is personally invested in the missionaries that they support, not yeah. just supporting them financially, but going there yeah. and making sure that they have good communication back and forth with them, you know, inviting them in, talking with them. I, there are churches that support us as a ministry, and it, I'm so encouraged when I actually have uh, people from a particular congregation reach out to me and ask me questions and want me to come visit you know, it's, I think, I think doing that really helps to get the whole congregation behind them and, and, and realize, you know, have that same sort of vision. Well, we just experienced a church, uh, several months ago uh, in the middle of summer, uh, who was looking to possibly support us and they had a mission, they they had a mission board, um, set up where they were just, they were go ahead and talk about these things, but they would, uh, they were basically advising the the elders on mission, and based on their recommendation, they would make those decisions. Which I 
I, I don't come yeah, I, I don't come across too many churches that are set up that way yep. where they specifically have a group of of former missionaries and they're the mission board to give advice to the eldership on what it should look like. I, I thought it was great and it was and, yeah. and, and hopefully uh, um, when they're making decisions about us, you know, we were we were excited about that to see that. I guess that's not really relevant, but you know, uh, but just to see the setup of, of of that was really encouraging. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, Steve, what effects does a global mission emphasis have on a local church, and um, what can a pastor expect, expect to see church members become? more aware of the significant significance <laughs> i'll fill it in for you <laughs> of the great commission thank you steve that was a tongue twister for me and i know we've we've been touching a little bit about that and um but yeah 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 you know the idea coming to my mind as you're asking that is can some of us still remember the pre-gps era <laughs> And, you know, carrying the atlas in our car when we're making a cross-country trip and mm. pulling out the map in the airplane to make sure, you know, looking for some kind of visual down below. So um, to, to me, this a, a globally-minded or a Great Commission-minded church is a church that has a, a well-functioning GPS system, and you know yeah. where you are. Yeah. And so you're participating in in all the different dimensions of it yeah. and not just kind of, you know, a, a, a limited, it, it's all the pieces of the pie, so to speak, not just one or two or three piece slices. So, um, you know, a, as I've reflected on churches, some churches that I've known well, if I had to identify kind of the golden era yeah. of those congregations and, or asked, members of those churches, the older ones, when was the golden age for this church? Mm. Almost invariably, they would say, it's when our church was just so excited about what God was doing globally and also here locally, and mm. it wasn't a win-lose. So anyway, I, I just think the more we can capture the full picture of God's will for his people, recognizing that, that any one of us is going to be very limited as to our contribution. That's, that's great. Yeah. But, but I think it's a blessing. Yeah. I really like how you say that. Uh, one of the things that, uh, was come across to me is that, uh, that missions, uh, when is, it's not just, it, it's, it's Jerusalem and Judea and the furthermost parts of the earth. Um, it's all combined in one. It's just not, or, uh, it's right. in all together, but we're right. going to be landing the uh, plane here pretty soon. Uh, but TD, with so many active mission organizations and God is doing so many things through through all these organizations, what makes Pioneers unique? Yeah, so you know, God raises up each church, each mm. each agency uh, has a part to play in the bigger picture. Um, for us, it's helping to connect the dots. Uh, in our case, in the U.S., it's about 3,000 churches we're partnering with mm. and many more in other countries because we've got about eight, 17 different on-ramps, you know, in other countries around the world. Mm. So it, in a way, Pioneers is an answer to the question, what would it look like for 3,000 churches in the U.S. to partner together to see churches established and disciples made in unreached people groups around the world? Um and so we're impacting about 500 unreached people groups today. And uh, we have a wonderful organizational culture. 
and the organization is growing. So uh, I just could, you know, my wife and I would would love to still be in Southeast Asia mm. with our friends there, and we stay in touch with them. But in a way, we decided to make a sacrifice and be here in the U.S. to help pave the highways for other people to merge onto the freeway and get out there to places that have never had, never even heard who Jesus is. Wow. So yeah, it's a privilege, Tommy. Thanks for asking. Wow. Um, well, that that went really fast, by the way. Uh, <laughs> thank you for coming on. But but, uh, Steve, uh, Romans ten fourteen says, "How will they call on him who they have not believed? And how will they believe in him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher?" Can you share the good news, the gospel, to our worldwide audience today? So the the, the incredibly good news is that although People everywhere have been alienated from God by our condition of sin. He loved us so much that he was willing to pay the ultimate price, become a man himself in Jesus, his son, die the worst of deaths on the cross to pay the penalty, and now offers eternal amnesty, so to speak, uh, membership in the family to adopt us as his sons and daughters if we will simply respond by faith and says, say, yes, Jesus, I, I want to turn from my sins and let you be uh, my Savior and Lord. So that's that's the gospel, I think, in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, please go get out, go get the new book, Is the Commission Still Great? Eight Myth About Missions and What They Mean for the Church by Steve Richardson and Moody Publishing. Now, uh, Steve, where can people find you if you wanted to be found? (laughs) Uh, Internet, uh, websites, social media. So uh, you can contact me through pioneers.org or you can go to that site, pioneers.org slash myths for more. You'll see more videos of me explaining some of these myths and you can always contact me through there as well. And the book is available, obviously, on Amazon and virtually any other website as well. Yeah, please go get the book, guys. We we just touched the surface on the book. Again, we don't want to give you everything in the book. We want you to actually go purchase the book, read it, and apply the things that you read in that in the book. So uh, you, you will be blessed. Uh, um, and Steve, thank you very much for coming on uh, Bridge Radio. We will have your book here at the bookstore absolutely for for sale. Uh, and, and again. Um, is the commission still great? Eight myth about missions and what they mean for the church by Moody Publishing. I think especially for church leaders and mission board leaders, yes. it would be especially beneficial. Yes, I'm definitely going to be you know recommending this for sure to our our board. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy and a pleasure. All right. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Well, we got to have you back though for any future things that you're doing for sure. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's episode with Stephen Richardson on his new book that just came out. Is the commission still great? Eight myth about missions and what they mean for the church by Moody publishing. So guys, what did you think about the interview? 
it was excellent. I, I, I really enjoyed uh, Steve. Could relate to him, I guess, in my growing up years. Mm-hmm. But uh, just with regards to the importance of the Great Commission, that's not something that has passed away. It's not, it's not a side salad. It is still the main course. Yeah. And we need to make sure we focus on it as such. Yeah, the importance of well, go ahead, sir. no, go ahead. No, the importance of what are we doing overseas, but then also being reminded in the podcast of locally, you know, all the different countries represented, especially at TAMU, all the countries represented with the students locally. Mm, yeah. um, what are we doing to engage with them? Yeah, yeah, and like I said in the podcast, it's it's not just going out to the further more parts of the earth. Uh, we also got to remember Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, locally, and at the same time, uh, uh, remembering that there is people in other parts of the world. Well, I just think, too, of our southern border. You know, whatever you think about it politically, we have people from all over the world coming here, you know, and so what can we do to engage them with the gospel? Yeah. No, that was uh, was just really good. I I, I think uh, it's just a reminder again. uh, I, I feel like there's maybe a refocusing mission and not a lot of people are talking about it, but the few people that are, I think they're getting it right. Yeah. Um, especially here, um, again, we've had several missionaries. We have several uh, authors who's written uh, about missions and just how it's being refocused and how it should be done. And that's very encouraging yep, for sure. Is. Uh, well, guys, uh, please don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And like we always like to end the show, what is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Till next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.